Welcome to the VVV Podcast. Today, we are joined by Vivian Ford, Alio's Head of Community, who will be answering the questions of the VVV community. Alio is the first developer platform for building fully private, scalable, and cost-effective application. Using zero-knowledge cryptography, Alio moves smart contract execution off-chain to enable a diverse range of decentralized applications that are both entirely private and can scale to thousands of transactions per second. Built on an open, public blockchain, Alio brings all the flexibility of Ethereum, but with a more scalable architecture in which miners don't need to rerun every transaction and simply verify their correctness. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for making it. Um, all right. So I know we have the we have the questions prepared, um, but uh, you know, maybe you can introduce yourself and then give us like a Eli five on what a CK rollup actually is and what it means. Sure. Um, we aren't a ZK rollup, though. We are a layer one blockchain. I'll introduce myself and then I'll kind of give a little spiel about the industry. Um, so, hi, my name is Viv. I'm head of community at Alio. Um, Alio is essentially a layer one blockchain uh, that is focused on privacy and scalability. So, um, if you look at the ecosystem of crypto, you see that, you know, Bitcoin comes about in 2009 and people are excited, but you know, there's no real programmability um, and there's no real privacy. So then Zcash comes about and tries to fix this privacy aspect. And Zcash really is one of the first to push forward these ideas of like snarks and, and, and how to keep information private. Um, and then you have Ethereum that comes out. Ethereum's like, okay, maybe not privacy. Maybe that's not what we'll focus on. But what if we focused on the scalability aspect, the programmability aspect? And so you have Ethereum that takes off with the scalability aspect. And then you have, but if you picture a quadrant, uh, like um, if you picture basically four boxes, you have all three boxes checked except for one. And that one that you're missing is uh, programmability and privacy in the same bucket. And so Alio came about and essentially said, okay, let's figure out how we can make an ecosystem where you can deploy applications that are inherently private and let's figure out how to make this a programmable system um a zk rollup is so a zk rollup is essentially a zk rollup focuses less on privacy and more on scalability i'd say and is essentially the idea of you know you take ethereum which is inherently not private it's inherently pseudonymous and you basically slap a a somewhat private thing on top of that of that but does that actually mean it's private Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. The questions go on and on. Um, so yeah, Alio is a layer one blockchain. My apologies, I, I misphrased the, the question. He asked it a lot more intelligently than I just did. No, no problem. So, and and it's also more relevant the way he asked it. So let me just you know read it uh, the way he he actually asked it. So uh, could you please Eli five what CK proofs are and why we never heard of them before? Yeah. And then in brackets what breakthrough was needed for CK to be invented and function? Also, where will CK proofs find applications? Sure. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a good question. Why have we not really, why have we not like met ZK proofs before? So zero knowledge proofs for those who, I don't know the level of, of like 
uh, I don't know the level of technicalities here, so I'll just kind of go from go from the bottom and, and kind of work up. Um, but essentially, zero-knowledge proofs have been around, I want to say, since the late 70s, 1970s, early 80s. It's not a new concept. And you can easily have a zero-knowledge proof without a blockchain. Like, in fact, they, were, they came about without blockchains. Um, and it was basically the idea of, like, how can we how can we prove something is true while keeping the information that we're trying to prove private? Um, and how can then the person accept that the proof is true without once again, revealing that information? Um, one like dumb example you'll see all over the web, which is just kind of a helpful way to envision it is like a where's Waldo book. So you have a where's Waldo book. And I found Waldo for those who don't know, it's basically you find a little guy on each page. And let's say I find him on, page 29 and you don't believe me and I'm like no I really did I want to prove to you that I found him but I don't want to show you where I found him so okay what do I do well what if I could basically maybe do a huge cardboard cutout that covered the book entirely so you couldn't see the book and then what if I could then essentially somehow um do make it work where you saw Waldo within this big black cardboard cutout but you didn't see where he was on the page. So you've confirmed that I found him. You don't have any more information. And that's kind of the essential idea behind a zero knowledge proof. Um, How did they come about in crypto? I I think like the, so zero knowledge proofs are super powerful and they really like, they allow for insane scalability. I think a big thing about crypto is like, you know, it's still a very new world, right? and the cool thing about like, yeah, it's still a relatively new world. The, the technology behind it, the fact that um, your mom doesn't know how to set up an, a wallet online goes to show just how young this world is and how like how kind of inconvenient it is for just anyone to use. So imagine then putting on this very complicated idea of a zero knowledge proof on top of that. Um, Zero knowledge proofs are so there's a bunch of different ones at Alio. We use one called Snarks, which is succinct, non interactive arguments of knowledge, I think, um, which is different than Starks, which is different than all of a whole slew of them. Um, and the, the idea behind it is like it does a couple things. One, okay, cool. You have you can think of like almost a zero knowledge proof as um, I'm trying to think if I want to give an example or not, but. Let's take it off the blockchain. Let's just deal with it. let's just deal with it as a proof. If you're given like a slew of numbers and and um, like a string of numbers and letters that confirms that like you voted for a candidate, let's say, right? And so you complete who you voted for. You give this. Um, you get in return a string of numbers and letters that confirms we have received your vote. The vote has not been tampered with, and but we do not know who you voted for. Wouldn't it be great if at the end of an election, you could just put up these numbers of every single vote that was counted for, but you knew that it wasn't tampered with or changed. And you could then go back and kind of check to make sure that your zero knowledge proof number was indeed included in the list. Um, So there's like a whole slew of things that zero knowledge proofs do not need blockchains for. Um, But another really exciting aspect is kind of the fact, and this part goes over my head in terms of technical ability, but the fact that like how um, how scalable it is in terms of like running proofs that or, or yeah, basically verifying proofs that might take, let's say you have a proof that would take a hundred years to verify without a zero knowledge proof. 
well, you could basically use their knowledge proof to verify it within a much shorter amount of time. And that's a huge thing, especially I think as more and more complicated, um, like complicated problems are being introduced on the blockchain and, you know, whether or not that's like whatever you want to think machine learning types of algorithms that people need to run that require a lot of bandwidth, a lot of compute power. Well, you kind of started to need to, need to find a way to verify those proofs quickly. All right. Thank you. Then I would say um, after that introduction, we jump into the first LU specific questions. And the first one would be, what is the true competitive advantage of Elio versus the many other CK blockchains? Yeah, so I think, I think if you ask everyone at Elio, they'd have a different answer maybe, which is really cool because it means that from a variety of perspectives, we obviously think Elio holds a pretty high competitive advantage. Um, I think, so like I've been saying, you know, Elio is super focused on privacy and scalability. I think these are two metrics that can, that you can really use to, to kind of carry you through the entire crypto space, meaning um, you can t you can see any you can look at any project and you can really really identify. Okay, cool. These the, this project talks about these two things, but what does that inherently mean? And are they actually uh, focused on privacy and scalability? I think um, that kind of goes back to a ZK rollup, right? A lot of people wouldn't necessarily claim that's inherently private, especially not because you're just slapping it on top of Ethereum, but truly private and truly scalable. Um, that's kind of Alio's like hub. That's where I think Alio is, um, is kind of leading the charge because first of all, we want something that is private by default, right? But privacy by default is tough because transparency is a good thing right? It kind of adds trust in networks. If I can, if I can like see through the veil and confirm X, Y, and Z is true, you know, I'm going to have more trust in whatever chain I'm using. So losing that transparency is a very, very steep price that you probably don't want to have to pay. Um, and so then you think, okay, but how can we keep both privacy and transparency? And that's where zero the snarks that I was discussing are kind of the perfect solution um, where it allows basically individuals and systems both to remain transparent or as private as they want, depending on the circumstance, and they don't have to trade off one for the other. Um, and in terms of ZK snarks too, the, so ZK snarks are constant time, which means that no matter the size of the statement being proven, and this is kind of what I was saying about like, you know, having a thing that takes a hundred years or a hundred, did I say hundred years? A long time to check. The amount of work the verifier must do to check the proof is the same. And that is a superpower that we haven't yet seen on the blockchain. Um, so that's kind of one one part of, of Alio. And then the other part of Alio that I would say is, is almost the one that I find more exciting is kind of the scalability from a user perspective. So we have Alio Studio IDE and we have this Leo programming language. Um, and the point of this is to put the power of these zero knowledge snarks into um, like in the hands of the average programmer. So right now, I think in web two, you have something like, man, you, I mean, I don't know the number you must have, you have millions and millions of developers who know Python, Java, C++, blah, blah, blah. And then you look at, well, right now you look at Solidity mainly, it's kind of the leading programming language in terms of cryptography. And you have probably 60,000 developers that know Solidity, which is just not an enormous amount at all. 
And so then you kind of think to yourself, okay, well, what is the shift magically going to be then when what you get most of the web two developers into the web three world, it doesn't like, there's no clear path to, to that. And I think you can only, you can rely only so much on interest. At some point you need to make it really convenient because convenience will always drive success. So how can you make it convenient for the average programmer who might not know anything about cryptography, who might not want to relearn an entirely new programming language that's very confusing? How can you make it convenient for them to start coding on your platform? And Leo is kind of the solution to that, where it's, it's a Rust-inspired language um, where you don't need to know the like deep, uh, uh, you know, kind of the deep um, secrets of smart contracts and of I mean, yeah, of, of kind of coding in this whole like Web3 crypto world. Is that also one of the aspects which sets you apart in comparison to Adstech, Findora, or Coda? Yes, totally. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd say exactly that. Um, it, you know, also, those three are interesting to note too, just to ask yourself always the question of like privacy and scalability. Like, what what components is that chain actually trying to solve, break through, or change? Um, so, like, for example, the MENA protocol, the kind of the keystone element of that is that it's a compressed blockchain, blockchain, which is kind of more of like a light client. And privacy is secondary in their model. Uh, and ours is obviously a huge concern, right? We see things like minor extractive value as existential problems to kind of the crypto world. Um, so, yeah, I'd say, like, you know, it's always interesting to go back and, and kind of look more closely at those projects with with the two ideas of privacy and scalability in mind that Alio is really working towards. And what's your approach to attracting those developers and, you know, farther down the road, also the user base? Totally. That's a wonderful question. I think about it often. Um, that's kind of the, I mean, that's, you just you asked the ultimate question of like how does a how does a project succeed right um and i think there's two ways to go about this and i've i've really thought quite a bit about this because i think a lot of companies are trying to follow the ethereum model and i was recently speaking to someone who reminded me that you know ethcc this big conference in paris this started out as just like one dude who wanted to do a meetup for ethereum and it blew up into this huge event. Same with like, you know, East Denver, same with all of these crypto conferences around the world. And you just think, man, Ethereum built an ecosystem. So how do you build an ecosystem? How do you attract new users and developers? And I mean, not only attract, but retention. Retention is key because if you don't give a good user experience, these people are gone and they should be gone. They shouldn't waste their time with something that's not a good user experience. So user experience kind of also falls in two lines, right? Like, especially for developers, a developer user experience, I think is like, Leo is really the goal with that. It's like, how can we get people to be, um, to be focused enough and intrigued enough that the user experience is like, it was worth almost the hurdles of learning, of kind of learning a new language. That's definitely for developers. And in that sense, um, I think there's a lot of interest in privacy. I think maybe the concepts of privacy and what like a privacy focused app can be like aren't haven't like come to fruition yet but i think there's also kind of an exciting aspect of like finding an l1 chain that's focused on this stuff because there's so much buzz and and like just stuff in the crypto world that like 
you know, I'm not a developer by, by, um, by training, but like, if I were to, if I wanted to build an app and let's say I want to build a, you know, a social media app focused on like social network privacy by default social network, it is such a flooded market that good luck to me trying to build that app on so many different chains. But what if I found a chain that was like, oh, cool. We inherently care about privacy. Come build the app and it'll, it'll just be like a simple step to care about the privacy aspect too. Um, so I think there's that, that element, which is powerful for, for developers. And then, you know, first people develop and then users come and, and see if they like it. So first the goal is really to get, uh, to get people just like trying it out. We have a test net running right now. Uh, it's test net three. Um, we're kind of breaking it up in different phases. Um, right now we are in phase one of test net three. You can currently deploy, uh, you can run a, a client node, um, and soon you'll be able to deploy programs. And this is kind of the big exciting thing is like, we'll finally be able to have like, basically you can write logic in a special transaction, transaction for deploying, deploying programs, programs on chain. And, and what that means, what that is, means you can is you reference that program on chain and update state based on chain. And there's no other blockchain today that does that. And there's no other, other blockchain that does the general computation inside of a zero knowledge proof on this decentralized network. So that's super exciting for us. All the other, all the other chains have, you know, they either have like a, a bottleneck, bottleneck sequencer or decentralized entity, or they don't have privacy. They don't enable general computation, blah, blah, blah. Um, but for the first time in the industry, like Alio is truly trying to solve this problem. Thank you, Vivian. Um, the next question would be setting aside full privacy protection are there any other value propositions of Alio compared to other CK solutions? And I know you touched on a couple of, of them. Yeah, already, I guess I'll just, uh, but maybe, I'll, know, just I'll a short say, list. first of all, there's no fee for computation, which is one of Alio's big advantages. So prog program runtime is unlimited. Um, and then I'll also just kind of preach Leo again, this programming language, which is uh, quite different than other ZK solutions. Um, and yeah, I, I think, you know, um, like, yeah, <laughs> I think that that basically will, will sums it up more or less. All right, thank you. What do you think is the biggest downside of the protocol? Hmm. Well, I think there's the the biggest downside of the protocol probably falls in line with the biggest downside of the crypto environment, right? And I think the biggest concern as we've especially seen lately is the legality of crypto and, and the governance of it. Um, so in the long term, crypto deregulation is a big risk. And I don't know if people, I don't, yeah, I think it's, it's hard to kind of know where that's going to go. Um, in terms of Alio, um, probably the biggest risk is not getting developers on the platform, right? Like our whole point is to reduce developer friction. And we want to make it easy for people to learn a new language, build with it, make it, you know, as easy as learning a Web2 language. Um, and I think that's always just going to be a difficult thing. Um, convincing someone to, convincing someone to kind of go down a road of inconvenience is an impossible task. And it can be the slightest inconvenience, but it can still be so annoying. Like, look at a gas station, Right. Sometimes you'll see a car parked the opposite way to fill their tank because they can't be bothered with like just doing a simple inconvenient maneuver 
to actually get on the proper side in the proper direction. Like people hate inconvenience. And I think this will be, this is always the biggest downside to, to, to lofty projects where, you know, the initial state of anything is inconvenient. And to go back to Ethereum in the early days of Ethereum, like they knew this and how they fought it was like, get devs on the ground at all times. Like you were, you were working with Solidity, you had a question, you had an answer in like, I don't know, let's say five minutes, but you were, you were getting answers quickly, you were supported. And so I think, you know, kind of in the same way that like reducing developer friction is just reducing all types of friction to, to be intrigued and, and kind of like the jump to knowing about Alio and working with Alio should be very, very small. Yeah, I agree. The inconvenience and friction is something which is currently holding back the general adoption of everything. So what's your current state of the ecosystem development? So currently, as I was saying, we have Testnet 3. Uh, So we launched that, I guess, officially. We we announced it at ECC, and I think we had it up and running uh, in August. so you can you can run a client node soon. As I said, you'll be able to deploy programs. You can right now you can deploy programs locally. So you can kind of test that out um, and in preparation for when um, you'll be able to do it. And then um, you can basically like w- once you're able to deploy features in, onto Testnet three, we'll be able to do. We have a lot of plans of kind of rewarding um, developers uh, for their cool app ideas and for for kind of all of their ideas. Um, and so the moment that becomes available, and this is why I really do encourage people to write and execute programs on local nodes, um, just to be able to to kind of like you know get get ahead of the game. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll have cool different. Do I want to share it here? Hmm, that's the question. Do I want to keep it a secret? Maybe I keep it a secret. But basically, um, the rewards will be determined by the judges from and, and by the community, um, team judges and team community. So that's kind of the current state. And do you have, uh, and I don't want to push if you don't want to share, but do you have like mechanisms in place which then, you know, keep those rewards within the ecosystem for an extended period of time? just to avoid developers coming just in order to extract value out of the ecosystem. Yeah. So the rewards I'm talking about are just like silly discord rewards and stuff. Um, We obviously like, obviously it's an incentivized test net. We haven't gotten to the incentivized part yet. Um, So there is, and that's kind of at a later phase. um, And, you know, I can, can much more speak to that once we've launched that aspect. Um, But, a big focus was in testnet too. We didn't realize kind of, um, well, we didn't realize that we were going to experience just like sharks coming in and, and, <laughs> and really dominating the testnet two network. And so we're working hard to make sure testnet three does not, it does not have the same issues. Okay. And who is currently building or planning on building on LEO? So we, we actually have a grants program. Uh, I can plug the grants program. Um, and this is exactly to, to answer that question. Um, so we, uh, we give grants out to basically teams or individuals who have an idea of what to build on Alio. So obviously the, the, you know, the core ones are you have, you want a wallet, you want, uh, we have Spruce ID that, that help 
that basically was building out a like a decentralized um, ID. Uh, these thing dids is what I think they call them dids. You know, you read all this stuff and you don't know how people actually say them in real life, but they think it's a did. Um, and so, yeah, we have uh, Spruce ID. We have this com- uh, this company called Lambda Class. Um, they're building out. Uh, we have like a, a voting kind of a one in the works of a voting system. So kind of the classic ways you'd expect to use zero knowledge um, is what's happening right now. But we're interested in we're interested in all aspects. We've also seen like what does a zero knowledge game look like and how can you build that out? And what does a zero knowledge um, what does an NFT look like using ZK proofs uh, where, you know, maybe the person doesn't know a lot of these NFTs are a lot of these NFTs are big because Snoop Dogg owns one or whoever, right? And so what if you didn't know actually who owned them? Would, would that give more power to it? Unclear. And then maybe it was like revealed. Who knows? Um, so those are, I know those have all been floated around the community. Those are in the works for people interested in, in really coming up with a, a good proposal. Um, definitely check out our grants program. Um, I can give you guys the link right now. It's a little, it's like uh, a little confusing of a link. Uh, it's like not. Yeah, you can also just uh, DM the link to me, and then Perfect. I can put I'll it DM you the in the AMA chat. Yeah, yes. yeah. So check those out. We just went through a whole bunch of grants this morning and kind of selected them. And then in addition, like, so there's obviously building on Elio in terms of that, you know, kind of like building off of Elio. And then there's kind of building in the community sense, which is like education-wise and and teaching people about zero knowledge while teaching people about Elio. Um, both of these things need to be done more. And that I kind of lead. And so for people interested in, it's almost more of like a community grants initiative. Um, it's a different way of kind of like explaining and, and exploring kind of uh, how to work in these areas. But uh that's that's something that I lead. So, yeah, education and um, and decentralized apps, basically. Yeah, no, I think the you know the example with the NFT is a, is a good one um, because with privacy you can also take away some of the bias which comes with transparency, where people follow certain trends or certain influencers, and you know if you take that away, it might even lead to people making more educated decisions totally. much rather than just following the herd. Totally. Yeah. Which would be great for everyone involved. Um, the next question is, will there be EVM compatible protocols built on Elio like Aurora or Moonbeam? So we're not currently EVM compatible, um, but this is a big uh, kind of a big talk about the future. But right now we are not EVM compatible. All right. And the next question is, Elio is gold partner of cprice.io and supports new developments in the CK space. What was the reason to join this initiative? Yeah, so uh, Zprize actually was focused more on, um, like, so basically our COO, this man, Alex Pruden, um, he started this idea, this whole Zprize initiative. And, um, you know, like I was saying, zero knowledge, everything is still, though it's an older concept, uh, in terms of the crypto world, it's fairly new. And there's certain, like, limitations in how to use it that, and solving these 
things would basically greatly, greatly help the entire, everyone who's, who's dealing with zero knowledge cryptography. Um, and so it was, it was based on, God, I think it was, was it the X prize? I think it was the X prize. Um, if I'm thinking correctly. Um, but I think it was based on X prize, which if I'm correct, was like the race to space. Uh, and it was like a, 10 million prize to lower the risk and cost of going to space. Um, and it was kind of the same idea of like, how can we get, um, how can we get projects involved to incentivize people to like basically lower, like a lot of the lower, the barriers of entry with a lot of ZK problems. Um, and so, yeah, we, we launched it, I guess in, um, gosh, uh, like May. May or June, and I think we'll announce have like more announcements in September, and the the solutions are open source, and so it's really just like an industry initiative to help um, kind of to benefit from the big roadblocks in the zk space. And you know, and again, I don't want to push in a direction uh, in which you might not be comfortable sharing too much, but are you also looking into potentially working with governments? since I think that's areas where the privacy aspect is, is a lot more valuable. Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's funny when anyone asks, like, are you looking to work with X in the crypto space? Because it's inherently open, right? So it's inherently like, sure, you work with you work with who comes your way, you know, um, or, or not even, but like they can interact with whoever comes your way. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I think... Probably to not say anything incorrect, I will just refrain from completely answering it, but just kind of respond with uh, the point that like crypto is open sourced and kind of the beauty of open source is that if someone wants to use your protocol, they should be able to, you know, um, and they should be able to kind of like see the benefits for them and, and see how it works. And your protocol should be should be trustless. It should be secure. It should be immutable. Like, you know, if all these things go well, then you've created something that someone should be able to just use. So the next question would be, what protocol are you looking to fund in the community funding program? Why do they think those should be funded first? Uh, so I'm not sure what the community funding program is, but maybe this is just kind of back to the uh, education aspect. So in terms of like, so there's the grants program um, that's focused on, the grants program is really focused more on like actual apps that you can build out uh, once like Alio launches the um, deploys the ability to uh, actually like build out applications and that's kind of like everything under the sun right like the, every single buzzword I could send your way DeFi NFTs blah 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 um, and we're not like variety is always the key right so kind of there's no one aspect that we're really looking for and in terms of more community focused the aspect is much more education. So once again, zero knowledge education, ALEO education, um, those types of things. Could you maybe elaborate on the educational aspect? Yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, I think zero knowledge has done a terrible job of marketing itself um, in an ironic way. And it's just not something that people either they don't inherently care about it or they don't, they don't understand it quickly. Like if I tell you to Google something, you don't have a doubt in your mind of what that means. You don't need to know what's actually happening when you enter Google.com and you search something. You don't need to know how many, you know, how many 
like how many pages are actually being loaded behind the page you've loaded. You don't need to know any information. You're just looking for the thing you're searching for. And I think the problem with crypto in general is that we aren't at a state where people can not know about the intricacies of how it's actually built out, because that's kind of a lot of what it is, is how it's being built out. The user experience for crypto, let's give, let's be honest, it's not great. You know, it's not a great user experience. Um, And so I think education in that sense is super important. And I mean it both in the sense of like, you should hear the terms or knowledge and have an idea of what it is, but you shouldn't need to know exactly what's happening when you hear a zero knowledge proof, if you don't want to. And if you do want to, you should be able to easily find a way to get that information. I want to learn about cryptography. I can take Dan Benet's class at Stanford. I want to learn about, you know, coding. I can take a Coursera course. Like these things are obvious for where to go for information. And zero knowledge is just still so new in this world that there's not the obvious trigger of like, oh, if I want to learn about this, I have to go to this. And I think Alio is poised to be kind of that point of like, oh, I want to learn about zero knowledge. Cool, go to go to Alio, um, and that's a huge, that's a huge thing because the more people who know about it, and you know, hopefully, the more people who care about it, I think the technology is, the I mean, technology is insanely promising, um, and you know, I think you want to you want to educate just to get people excited. I agree, and it's also interesting because it overlaps with, with what we do as well. We have, we also have a, a, our own academy, nice. uh, where we um, yeah, educate people around making investments in general. But we also have a dedicated research academy, which is going to launch soon, which then teaches people how to dissect information and white papers of projects and then do their own due diligence to find the most promising ones and to put aside the ones um, which potentially have red flags attached to them. Nice. Yeah, exactly. These things are like and, imperative. Yeah, and it's, it's also one of the levers which then improve your own community as well, right? Yeah. If they are more knowledgeable and if the information for them is more easily accessible, you get better members and that's going to put the entire community in an upwards spiral. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you get quality, right? You get people who are there because they're intrigued by what's actually happening. And that's a really, that's a really rare, cool thing. Yeah. And, and the other, at the end of the day, there's no future without someone educating people ar- about what's actually going on and where the space has to move in order to become more easily accessible to the most important parties, which currently either do not have access or don't even want to bother getting access because the user experience is so bad. Yeah, exactly. And once again, like, I can't tell you the number of apps I've downloaded. I've opened up. I've had a terrible time trying to figure out how to use it. And I immediately delete it and I don't look back. That's not, like, we're, we're really lucky that we're in a day, that we exist in a day and age where, like, we can, we as the users can be so strict about that and still have a plethora of, of possibilities of where else to go. And so it's so important to be the one who offers that experience of not only like, not only, hey, stay, stick around, but hey, you can also learn about this. You can like grow from, from being here. Yeah, and you can play a part in making it actually better, right? Yeah, exactly. Because if you only see what's wrong <laughs> and then you don't have the tools at your disposal to actually like improve anything, then you're just stuck with the status quo, uh, you know, for eternity. Yeah. So I think providing all those insights and 
providing the education. I think that's one of the most important aspects. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. So we're now coming back to uh, one of the questions which you have touched on earlier. And it's, do you have a target group of projects which you would like to attract to build on Alio, i.e. mostly gaming, DeFi, NFTs? I don't think we have necessarily a target group of projects um, because once again, we're, we're, we're building like an ecosystem, right? So all of those aspects are important. Um, the, the like component of Alio that's wonderful is the, that it's easy to build privacy focused applications. And in each gaming DeFi NFTs and each genre there, you have a need for privacy, but I don't know if people have realized what the solution is in that need for privacy. Like you said, NFTs, um, no one's really thinking like, I don't know, maybe people are thinking about it now, but I think a year ago people weren't questioning NFTs, like maybe they should have. And I'm not saying that I don't, you know, I, I think it, it was a very interesting, like, turn for crypto i think it brought on a lot of cool things um but i think people didn't realize what it was to own an nft and and that's interesting so in terms of like projects um we are we are open to all ideas uh and again we that grants program is a good a good way to kind of get involved if you're curious about what projects to, to kind of build out um but yeah you can think of you know what is what is a private what does a private twitter look like you know um you obviously, and once again, the transparency privacy trade-off is important to, to not give up. You don't want to have someone have to choose between privacy and, and uh, transparency because like, if I had a private Twitter with just friends, then that's just a group text message, you know? So, but what does it look like to kind of get the information you want to get and all these things? Um, I think people just haven't necessarily, maybe they've thought about the problems, but they haven't thought about them enough to really think, oh, what does that actually look like in terms of an app? And that's that's kind of where we want to push people. Yeah, and I think there might also be, you know, some political circumstances and a certain political climate, which sooner or later is going to make people more aware of the benefits of privacy. Yeah, totally. And for the users that you see using Alio, um, do you think that's going to shift more towards like B2B or is it going to be uh, B2C or you know, don't you see like any sort of a trend there? Um, I think uh, you, you, I think, well, so mainnet's not live yet, right? And that's kind of a big thing to remember right now. We're still in testnet three phase. Um, and I think this kind of goes back to like, who wants to who wants to use the platform? Anyone who wants to use the platform should be able to. In the same way that if, you know, Tony, who lives in South Dakota, wants to deploy an app on Alio focused on um, this really cool ZK game idea he has, he should be able to in the same way that, like, Mark Zuckerberg should be able to, like, use Alio for Facebook. There shouldn't be, like, limitations to the people who are using it or to the companies. B2B, C2B, all of this stuff. Like, it should just be a platform that is usable. And that's almost the key word. And then let me, maybe let me ask the, the question differently. Like, do you have a, a strategy in place to attract audience X before audience Y, for example? You know, just something the, which yeah. makes the adoption maybe easier or, or faster. 
the the strategy I think that is always important is to attract the people who will build it first, build it and they will come. And so that's developers and that's developers wherever, any, you know, whoever, wherever. Um, and that comes back to like, how do you build something that, an, that a developer wants to build on? Um, because if you don't have developers building, you know, private applications, you've just <laughs> you've got a sad situation going on. So it's really like, always developers um at first and then of course you want people using it and and uh interacting with it yeah and that that goes hand in hand uh with the you know with the other projects which we have spoken to so far who have uh already attracted uh successful uh basis of developers and partners they first go after the developers and go out of their way to make it as comfortable and you know as fruitful for them to build within their ecosystem yeah i I think that's the only way to do it because if you go for the hype of the masses first before you have any substance to what you're building then you're going to be in a tough spot sooner sooner or later when those masses then demand for like anything that's actually usable yeah totally yeah do you have any estimates or goals for the adoption of the blockchain? In, in brackets, how much volume or how many users are you using uh, are using it on a daily basis? Well, so we're still in testnet, which is an important aspect. <laughs> um, I I don't know what the goals are. Uh, I guess yeah, I think it'd be interesting to kind of see a map of all of the like active testnets or mainnets and what the usage is there. Um, I think like the, again, the main, the most important thing is good experience, you know, a convenient experience for developers to just kind of deploy apps. And then from there you kind of, you build out, um, and you know, like some, some projects just take off because they are so like, they're pleasant to work with. And then just more and more people kind of get on board. Is there like any advantage or disadvantage for you or for your for your chain to reach a certain volume or you know a certain um, usage first before it actually you know does it become more efficient with increased scale well okay so again that's a question for mainnet and we're just in testnet so i can't really answer it i can't answer it from a perspective of like we've launched mainnet but i can obviously answer from a testnet perspective of like the point of testnets is to obviously like um you know to kind of uh what's the word i'm looking for to make sure that there are no hiccups and bumps and so obviously the more people who use it the better off you are so of course there's a big advantage in in many people like using the testnet but because we're still a testnet it's a little harder to answer that Yes, and my apologies. I, you know, I, I don't mean to to uh, come back to uh, the fact that you're still in, in testnet. You know, <laughs> How dare you remind me? No, just <laughs> no, I mean, you know, obviously it's a, it's an important procedure to go through, right? The the testnet is really where you can um, find anything that might be wrong or any vulnerabilities, and then you can get them out of the way and make everything better before you then deploy on mainnet. 
Yeah, exactly. And incentivized test nets, I think, do like, I mean, they just do wonders for everyone. They do wonders for the community who feels like they're connected and like working hard. They do wonders for the developers, for like the engineering team who can actually see what's going on and see how people interact it. Like the world should have test nets, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can speak from our own experience. We, you know, we are building a, a dashboard for our community as well. And we have some like pretty modern um, nuances in our staking mechanisms for our own NFT collection. And all of that ha had to be tested in that on testnet because there were so many things which came up unexpectedly where we had to adjust things and, and you know, uh, optimize and so on. And all of that is like, that's only possible if you really spend like a prolonged period of time in testnet. Totally, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah, it's the crux of it all. If there's every project that launches without a testnet, run so so far away. Are there are there plans from the team to build or fund applications that potentially help onboard non-crypto native users? Yeah, I think that's kind of in line with Leo, right? Uh, Leo working to to kind of bring over the devs from the Web two world, and also just kind of the education initiatives we've been talking about. Um, you know, the huh, it's it's a it's also a funny question because, um, like crypto native has become this weird, <laughs> like weird term of just like we only want to hire crypto native people. We want and and basically what it's saying is like we don't want people who are just in it for the hype. We want people who like understand what this was when it was a budding technology and when it was like an actual like. Before it was seen as a scam by half the world, basically, right? Um, and I think it's it's interesting because you know, non-crypto native users like Leo is kind of the essence of that of like how can you get people interested? And our Discord, we work really hard to kind of like push a lot of like I said, educational content, but from the perspective of like not needing to know um, technical things. So a lot of infographics, just kind of explaining what Alia does and stuff like that like different competitions um and these are just ways to kind of like make it a more accessible place for non-crypto native users um but you know i i don't i still don't know i still don't know if the the correct move is to go after non-crypto native users or to build it and let them come uh, and i think crypto has gone through like so far they've kind of followed the path of build it and they will come and as i've said the the user experience for crypto, like I would not give it a 10 for 10. If I were to rate it on Yelp, I'd give it like a four out of 10. You know, half the time you're worried about your wallet, blah, blah, blah. So I think that's kind of an interesting perspective. Yeah. And if you have to use Polkadot, you probably have to drop it to like a two of 10, right? Yeah. Yeah. Po right. Right. Polkadot, I'm at 0.5. Can I go negative? Because maybe I would. <laughs> um, what hurdles do you see coming soon? Are you doing anything to prevent, prevent, mitigate them? Uh, like li litigation stuff? Oh, no, no, no. I, I'm not, not, I'm not speaking from a legislative uh, standpoint. Just generally speaking, in, in building LU, like, do you see any roadblocks uh, which you might face soon? Uh, I think... Alio is a really uh, beautifully complex technical problem. And like I said, I'm not technically native, so I can only speak to this to certain points. But um, it's like 
when you achieve, when you're building something that is hard to build technically, you obviously are going to come across more roadblocks, right? Um, it doesn't mean that it's not like it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. But like, look at crypto. Every single crypto project is always like. Even look at the uh, switch from proof of work to proof of stake, right? This has been so delayed. Like every single thing just encounters roadblocks that you don't know of because it hasn't been done before. And there are so many things in the world that have been done before again and again and again, and they continue to be. And it's, I think that's ultimately why like I find myself in the crypto space because I want to be somewhere where things haven't been done before. And so I can be a part of those things being done for the first time. And Ilya is doing things for the first time. That's really hard. That's inherently going to be a very difficult problem. Um, and so, you know, we're going to, we're, we're certainly going to run into problems. Everyone does. Um, but I think we really do have a very good team equipped to kind of solve it. Um, Zexy is this white paper that, um, like, basically the dream of, of Alio is, is kind of uh, based on. And um, it's, you know, it's a kind of going back to what I was saying, like, how do you, how can you get, the, how can you write logic in a special transaction for deploying chains on chain, um, where you can have like general computation inside of a ZK proof on a decentralized network. Um, and from the sexy white paper, like a, that that's basically being deployed for, you know, working with an alio. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm really excited for it. I think it's a great project. Um, you know, I would recommend anyone who is intrigued. I'm on Discord all the time. Uh, you you can DM me if you guys have more questions on it um, and join the Discord because I think that's where uh, that's where these conversations are happening. That's where a lot of these devs are kind of coming about and, and learning how to really like work with it and, and kind of deploy, deploy, you know, programs locally and then hopefully eventually soon on the testnet. Yeah, we will make sure to drop the Discord link in our AMA chat uh, after yeah. the AMA. And Vivian, I guess, uh, how much time do we have left or do you have to jump off? Uh, I can talk for like five more minutes. Okay. Then let me just quickly check um, that we cover um, the most important questions of the remaining ones. Maybe one that's not tied to the uh, tested or mainnet. Um, what are you looking for when hiring new people? Totally. So um, I'm, I'm going to sound like a hypocrite because we are, we're sort of, not that we're looking for crypto native, but having an, a deep understanding of crypto is super important. Um, it's just like the crypto culture, the crypto kind of uh, how like, how projects work in the space, it's super easy to to not see the space for what it is, if you will. Like there are a lot of projects, there are a lot of fluff projects in crypto. Uh, there's a lot of fluff projects in the world. It's easy to it's easy to see a fluff project in the world. Um, it's like, man, I hope I don't get slack for this, but Pokemon Go was kind of a fluff project. You saw it and you're like, okay, and there's a reason user, you know, the user base dropped off so insanely. Um, it's harder to see those in crypto and note them, but it's very important too. Um, so having a background of crypto is super important. And then um, I think really like looking for, we're hiring a head of social um, to kind of manage our Twitter and and be able to like respond to the talks that happen of crypto uh, on Twitter. And there's so many of them that are happening at all times. Um, we also have a community Twitter that we're looking for the head of social to, to kind of work on. We are always looking to hire engineers as well. Um, 
engineering team probably like you can check out on github snark os and snark vm to get a better idea of you know what we're building and and kind of see if you know you can run a client node um if you have issues you can open an issue um and then we're also hiring for like biz dev uh kind of expanding out alio in that sense so we are hiring for like a whole bunch of roles and we're opening up a new york office um so we've got a lot we've got a lot going on um and i think if if anyone like fits that is interested in that like feel free to email me um it's vivian v-i-v-i-a-n-e at alio.org um and just kind of email me a blurb of like why you're good for what you want to do and send a resume and it doesn't need to be complicated it can just be short and sweet and lastly vivian what motivates you personally to work with alio and to work within the space so i actually got into crypto in 2015 i uh moved into this house called the crypto castle in san francisco and it's as weird and crazy as it sounds and I was the only woman and there were probably about 14 other dudes there and they were all in crypto. And I was like a young, you know, fresh out of college kid. I didn't have money. I was like, I can't invest in this. So I just watched them all get insanely wealthy. And I did, but I didn't want to work in it. I was just like, you know, it was kind of in my periphery. And I, I saw this world that was like changing so rapidly. And then recently, actually, I kind of like I, I had more and more friends ask me if I could help them with NFTs and blah, blah, blah. And I realized maybe it's time to like actually work in this space because when you work in these spaces, you learn so much more than if you're on the outside, if you're just a casual investor or just, you know, person who's watching the charts, whatever. Um, and so I just kind of started looking for projects that were intriguing and a friend of mine knew Elio and, and sent it to me and, um, I remember when Zcash, I remember like thinking, oh shoot, I should buy Zcash. That'd be really important. And again, it was like the same mindset of like, oh, should I buy Bitcoin? But I didn't. And when Alio came about, I was like, oh, there it is. You know, like something, <laughs> here we go again. Um, and I, I know the importance of privacy. I know it from a perspective of like being in crypto, seeing people get like screwed by not having information private in crypto. Also, I like, I think that you really want to like you want to you want to really respect like the technical idea behind it. And um, I didn't know much about zero knowledge proofs. And then when I read up about them, I realized, wow, this is just a, the, some of the smartest people in the world are walk, working on this problem. And I want to be where the smartest people in the world are working on these problems. Right. Um, and so that kind of drew me to Alio. And, you know, now here I am. That was a super interesting segue. <laughs> thank you for sharing them. For sure. All right. Amazing. Vivian, thank you so much for your time today. It was a pleasure, pleasure having hey, you. Hey, thank you so much and for having me. I super appreciate it. Yeah, no worries at all. And I'm looking forward to staying in touch and hopefully to talk again soon. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. This recording has been prepared and made available by VVV. It is for informational purposes only and should not be considered a solicitation to sell, buy or subscribe to any financial instruments or products. VVV does not express any opinion as to the present or future price of any instrument mentioned in this recording. The information provided in this recording is believed to be valid and accurate on the date it is first published 
but VVV, along with its directors, officers and employees, does not accept any liability for any loss arising from the use of this information as it may change in the future without notice. Any decision made by a party after listening to this recording shall be on the basis of its own research and not based on the information and opinions provided by VVV.